I'm your host, Kurt Sandvig, and welcome to Paranormal Almanac. That's right, I'm your host, Kurt Sandvig, and on this week's edition of Paranormal Almanac, I'm going to be talking about the Omen House. And no, not O-M-E-N, but O-M-A-N. And if you don't know what it is, you're going to have to wait just a second, because first, as always, we have shout-outs. Shout-outs go out to Megan. Welcome, Megan. Laura, Shani, Todd, Jamie, and Elijah Hendrickson. Kira, Rich, Rachel, Laura, Angie, Anthony, Carolyn, Chuck, Dan, Laura, Daniel, Dill, Edgar, Heidi, Jeff, Juliana, Kat, Laura P, Laura O, Lindsay, Maggie, hi Maggie, Matt, and Pablo. Once again, we got a special shout out to McKeon, she knows why. Before I get to the Omen House, let's go to Paranormal News. I only have a couple of stories, they'll be real quick. First up, Satan ruled out as experts puzzle over mysterious flaming pit in Arkansas. Experts are trying to determine the cause of flames of up to 12 feet high spontaneously erupting from a pit in Midway, Arkansas last month. They don't know what caused it, though. One person, Judge Mickey Pendergrass, says, As far as the spiritual Satan goes, we've ruled that out. He didn't come up and stick his pitchfork in the ground and blow that hole out. The fires burned on for about 40 minutes on September 17th from a hole believed to have been made by animals. But animal holes don't usually catch on fire. Fire Chief Donald Tucker says, I took a temperature reading of it and it showed 780 degrees inside the hole. But what caused it? I have no idea. There's no gas lines nearby and there was no smell of natural gas. He also ruled out a meteor strike, as the three-and-a-half-foot-deep pit had been there for some time. So, there is a mystery burning hole in Arkansas. If you want to go and figure out what the hell's causing this really hot fire, feel free and make sure you let me know. And next up, I posted about this one on our Facebook group, but I also wanted to talk about it here because it's getting very close to Halloween, and this is important because a a spooky skull-like death comet asteroid is going to zip past Earth just after Halloween. A skull-like asteroid that passed Earth in October 2015 is coming back for another visit in early November. Now, officially, it's named 2015-TB-145. The asteroid has been called the Great Pumpkin by NASA because of its Halloween flyby three years ago. But it's also been described as a death comet because it's believed to be a dead comet and because of its skull shape which was picked up on radar images from the Arecibo Observatory in Puerto Rico. And I gotta say, it does kind of look like a skull. So, we got a death comet coming by early in uh, November. It's going to, the closest the comet will come this time around is 24 million miles on November 11th. So, nothing we have to really worry about, but still, a skull-like death comet? That never seems good. Alright, with that, let's get to the episode. Now, this episode is a little bit different. I'm going to be talking to David Oman, who owns a house on Cielo Drive. If that street name doesn't sound familiar, we're going to have to go back to August 9th, 1969. Because on that night, five people were brutally murdered 
under the orders of Charles Manson, who told his followers, quote, totally destroy everyone in it as gruesome as you can. Now, sadly, that's exactly what they did to a pregnant Sharon Tate, Abigail Folger, who is heir to the Folger Coffee Empire, Jay Sebring, Wolchek Frykowski, and Stephen Parent, who are all very brutally murdered by Tex Watson, Susan Atkins, Linda Casbian, and Patricia Krenwinkel, who are all part of Manson's cult. This was brutal. Now, I know I keep using the word, but for a lack of better term, brutal is the best way to describe what happened there that night. I know any murder is brutal, but these were particularly savage, brutal murders. I'm not going to go into the gruesome details. They're readily available online, but frankly, I just don't want to go into it any more than I already have. I wanted to give you the key names and the location. And it's important because we're going to move forward to 1994 when the house was demolished just after Nine Inch Nails recorded their album Downward Spiral, the house where this actually happened. And a new ginormous mansion was built there. And I mean, it is huge. When I was driving up to visit David Oman to actually get a tour and investigate his house, I was, I was going up Benedict Canyon and I couldn't believe how big this house was. Not David's house, but the house that on the actual site of the Tate murders. Now, don't get me wrong. David lives in a mansion. It is a three-story house on the side of a hill that is gorgeous. But this new house where the Tate murder house was, it is ginormous. It wraps around the mountain. It has an insane view. It wraps around the mountain. It is absolutely incredible. But just three houses down from it is David Oman's house. I'm talking just 200 feet away from where the gate for the Tate house was. David Oman's house was built on the side of the mountain by himself and his dad. It took him almost four years to build it, and they finished it, I believe, in 2002. Almost from the get-go, construction workers started seeing and hearing things that they couldn't explain. It quickly became apparent that something paranormal was going on. Now, like I just said, I was invited to David's house by David, and I gotta say, I like David. He is a down-to-earth, slightly quirky guy. He's quick to change the subject or veer off topic, but it's always in a great conversational-like way. And I can't blame him. This is his house. This is his story. If he wants to go detail by detail, great. If he wants to veer off from conversation to conversation, I totally get it. Now, when I pulled up to the house, first thing I did was I looked down to the end of the street. These are small mountainside streets. They're very small. In fact, there was a car leaving. I had to pull over almost to the side of the mountain, almost to the side of the hill, I should say, for the car to get around me to get out. These are very small streets. At the end of Cielo Drive is the new gate. And that's the gate that's, and that's the gate that replaced the one from Sharon Tate's murder house. Now, I hate describing it as that, but it's the best way I can think to describe it. So I pull up, I think, well, before I bother David, I want to go down to the gate. I want to see, I want to get as close as I can to where these murders actually happened. These brutal, brutal murders. I start to walk towards the gate, and sure enough, the gate starts to open and a car comes out. So I'm like, oh God. So I quickly walk over to David's house, knock on the door, wait for his, wait on his porch. And the car slowly goes by and looks at me because unfortunately for the new owner, there are a lot of people that go there to pay homage to what happened there. 
Some of them are just history buffs, Hollywood history buffs. Some of them are true crime buffs. Some of them are Manson followers. For this guy to be skeptical, I don't blame him at all. But anyhow, I knock on the door and I wait for David. Sure enough, he opens up the door. He is incredibly welcoming. Like I said earlier, I really like this guy. He is a very nice, very quirky, very odd guy, but in the best way possible. The house itself is a mansion. It is gorgeous. Now, there are cameras set up everywhere, and David has them set up for the investigations to keep an eye on the house because of all the paranormal activity that happens. You can't go, I don't know, 10 feet without being on camera. They're everywhere except for the bathrooms. So keep that in mind because that's how he's getting all of this content for his YouTube channel I'll talk about in a little bit. So David lets me in, we start talking, we start chatting, and he gets right into it. We only had a limited amount of time because there was someone coming later that day to film. So we had a very short time window. But uh, So he goes right into it. He, he invites me over. I take a look at a couple of his art pieces that are absolutely amazing. And then I've already done my homework. I've watched every YouTube video on his channel. And it's David Oman, O-M-A-N, if you want to check it out. And I highly recommend you guys checking out David's YouTube channel. He has... I don't even know how many. He has dozens of videos. I mean, they just keep going. He's got dozens and dozens of videos. Now, do I believe them all? No. Did I try to debunk some of them? You bet your ass I did. But anyhow, so David starts showing me some of the videos. And while he's doing that, he's going over what we're looking at, where it happened in the house. And it started to click. Oh, he's doing this to set me up for what to look for while we're walking through the house, which is exactly what I wanted. One YouTube video is where the lights turn on while David's in the kitchen and his friend is standing right by the kitchen. And they just pop on. We watched the video, then we walked over and tried to recreate it. Oh, oh, I got to say, though, the, the, the light in the kitchen that turns on when you say whatever her name is. Lillian. Lillian, yeah. That, I was like, oh, wait, where, all right, so that's even here, right? Yeah, and you can see logistically where I was. Lillian's on this side right here. Yeah. Now, here's the switch. I was going to say, where's the One switch the at? the switch is here. What the hell? And I'm here. Now, look how far I am. They're not LED bulbs. There's no Wi-Fi. Uh-uh. Well, they're, they're, they're LED lights. But, but, they're, but, 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 they're, they're dimmer switch. That's exactly And right. I'm here, and I'm looking down, and the light, all of a sudden, the, the floor becomes brighter. And I'm like, when, and I Lilia. And the light switch, yeah, it can only be turned on by one light, and there's no remote control or anything like it. It's strictly a, a straight single, single pole. And I think you can see this side of the wall in the video. Yeah, the whole place. So it's not like it's not like someone standing here going. And it was over here. It was three in the morning. It was just Lily and I. She's on that side cleaning up. I'm on this side putting dishes away, and it's like when I see the, the thing. It won't... I wanted the locations. I wanted where it happened. Who was there, when it happened, the times that it happened. And David gave all of that information to me willingly. He had no problems. He wasn't trying to hide anything. He wasn't trying to debunk anything. He wasn't trying to persuade me in any way, shape, or form. He was just showing me what to expect in the house and where to expect it. Now, like I said, I didn't believe every video on David's channel, nor did I believe every picture. I am skeptical, as you guys know. And I really hate orbs, so those didn't really do much for me. But others did stump me, I gotta say. There were some things that David showed me that I just couldn't figure out. And like I said, this was great because it gave me some things to look forward to, or look for, 
and things to try and debunk. Spoiler, I couldn't. And then David said he wanted to give me a tour of the house and was very willing to let me try to debunk things I just saw on the YouTube channel. One of the things on the YouTube channel that I wanted to debunk right away was there was a video of some Beetlejuice action figures on top of a fish tank. I was convinced that it was going to be one of three things. It was going to be the vibration from the fish motor, the fish pump, the, uh, the, the water pump, if you will. Or, well, let me start this way. He let me walk right up to the fish tank, check it all out. Exactly how it was set up when this video was taken and uploaded to YouTube. It's bigger than I thought. First thing, it's way bigger than I thought. This fish tank was huge. So, it wasn't a wobbly fish tank. Check that one right off the list. Two, the action figures weren't on the edge. Nope, they were pretty deep into this thing. It's fairly deep. It's a big fish tank. Three, there were no vents right there where the air conditioning could come on and, you know, blow an action figure over. Nope. Four, the pump. There's a water pump for a fish tank. When it comes on, it vibrates. I know, I used to have fish tanks. So I put my hand on top of the fish tank, on the side of the fish tank, everywhere. And this pump was on. It was going. Not a vibration at all. The directions that these action figures fell were not uniformed either. They didn't all fall forward. Some fell to the side, whatnot. And the time between them falling really stumped me. I got to say, I was really stumped about this video. I'm going to put it on our Facebook. You can check it out there. You can also go to David Oman on YouTube and watch them all there. But I got to say, this one was the first one I thought, I'm going to debunk this one right off the bat and we'll go from there. Nope. I literally couldn't. There's no way that big trucks are driving up and down the street. Like I say, it's a tiny, tiny street that ends about 200, 300 feet from David's house. So that's not the instance either. The house is also very solidly built. I didn't feel anything while I was in this house. And I was kind of worried too. I'll got to say, this is the first time I was ever on a house on the side of a cliff. I didn't know what to make of it. I didn't know, I didn't know how safe I was going to feel. After David showed me some construction photos and videos, I got to say, this house is solid. These pylons or whatever you want to call them, these metal beams that come across on each floor are huge. It's anchored into the ground below the house and to the wall of the house, to the cliff side of the house. So there was no vibration from the house either that could cause these Beetlejuice action figures to do what they do. But like I said, so David started giving me a tour of the house and throughout the house, he would let me examine stuff, pick up stuff, move stuff, trying to recreate or debunk things. One of the videos, this was through, once we got into the actual house itself, I believe it's the theater room. One of the videos that David has on his channel is of a teddy bear falling to the ground from a shelf as a paranormal investigator's walking by. Well, he let me walk up to it. Touch it, feel it, move it, do whatever I wanted to it. Stomp up and down on the ground right in front of it, walking through it. Again, I was looking for drafts. I was looking for a loose floorboard. I was looking for anything that could explain what happened. There was a door right by the uh, the teddy bear, and he moved stuff out of the way. He opened up the door and showed me that it was the stairwell that went up and down the side of the house. So you can go to pretty much any level of the house from the side of the house instead of going through the house and the main stairwell. So we're only minutes into this tour, and two for two, I can't debunk them. 
It was really interesting. I'm going to pause right here to say, honestly, again, I'm not getting paid for this. Honestly, if you like the paranormal, you need to go to this house. And you can go to the house. David does a David does a monthly or every other month paranormal night. And the next one is October 13th. I know it's coming up real quick, but if you're in the LA area or if you can get to the LA area on October 13th, you should go to this. It's not a guided shoulder-to-shoulder, no way you're going to see anything, 30-minute tour. Nope. This is a seven-hour, feel-free-to-investigate tour that has yielded amazing paranormal results in the past. And these are what those videos are on YouTube. 99% of these videos are from these nights. It does seem that this house is always active, and it does seem that this house gets more active when people are there. So apart from a private tour like the one I did, this is the best way to ghost hunt any site in LA that I know of. The Winchester house, it's fun, it's great, but you're you're herded like cattle throughout the house. You can't just go off and investigate. You can't take your time. It is a guided tour. It's got an hour, maybe two, and then get the hell out. That's not this. This is seven hours with food, with drinks, and in, and from what David showed me, it is quite the spread, too. So it might be worth the 99 bucks just to go for the food and drinks alone. But anyhow, like I said, I'm not getting paid. Honestly, go to the Omen, O-M-A-N, theomenhouse.com. Get a ticket. It's the perfect way to get into the Halloween spirit. But anyhow, back to my time with David. <laughs> so I brought three trusty things with me. First one was my five-hour battery HD camera. This is a camera that I've used hundreds of times on red carpets, at parties, during investigations, it has never failed me once. I think you know where I'm going with this. So we're about 30 minutes into this tour, if that. We stopped, we're chatting, I'm listening to him tell this fantastic story, when I noticed that the camera is getting insanely hot. The first time it's ever done this. Insanely hot. Then, the battery instantly drains. 30 minutes in, the battery's dead, on my camera that I wanted to use to go through the entire house. Next thing I brought with me was my very trusty pocket voice recorder. It's very tiny. It's literally just a voice recorder. It's a digital voice recorder, which showed working the entire time. The red light was on. I could see the counter going. Showed it working perfectly. Here's the problem. After the investigation, when I got to my car, I wanted to do another file for, like, uh, like cliff notes, talk about this, mention that, this was neat, check this out, that kind of stuff. So I'm going through the files. File 1, file 2, file 3, file 4, file 5. File 6 should have been this hour-plus-long walkthrough of the house. And it was gone. File 7 was my little cliff notes thing. So the recorder's working, working fine, but file 6, gone just disappeared. It's the only time I've ever lost a file using this voice recorder. And I gotta say, between the camera and that, that alone is enough to make me go, okay, there's definitely paranormal activity. It was not user error. I use these things all the time. File 7 was there. File 6, just gone. So it's not user error at all. I can't explain what happened to this file. So I start to drive down. I'm going to I'm gonna jump back into the, the tour of the house. Don't worry, but I want to continue this story for a second. 
So I start to drive down the drive. I'm leaving the house. My voice recorder is acting all wonky. I get to Benedict Canyon, which isn't far, maybe a mile, probably less. Um, And I pull out that video recorder that I was just talking about, my little HD camera that had a drained battery. While I was in the house, right before the interview, after it had died, I pulled it out. I tried to turn it on. Nope, drained battery. It was dead, dead as a doornail. Well, right in front of Benedict Canyon, in my car, sitting there, it turned on, and it turned on to a full battery. Now, I know some of you skeptics are going to say, well, for whatever reason, the battery got way too hot while it was playing or while it was recording, and then it just needed time to cool off, and then the battery started again. No, no. The time between when it died and when I checked it before the interview was... 35 minutes, maybe 40 minutes. It was cool to the touch. There was nothing wrong with it. It was a dead battery. The time from then to Benedict Canyon was probably another half an hour, and it was cool to the touch still, fully charged and working perfectly. I cannot explain what happened to my electronics other than saying this house or something in this house messed with my electronics like I have never seen before. I didn't bring an EMF detector or a digital thermometer because I much prefer just kind of exploring and looking and recording to other gadgets that some say are pretty hokey. I do believe in EMF detectors. I do believe there's something there. And obviously digital thermometers are a thing that are real and proven. But I wanted to go on a guided tour with David through his house, just recording with my camera and then recording with my digital my digital voice recorder to see if I got different things from the digital voice recorder to the camera and etc. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case at all. The third thing I brought, because I said I had three, third thing I brought was my laptop with my microphone. I left it in the living, I'm sorry, I left it in the kitchen, turned it on, hit record, because I wanted to see if I got any EVPs while we were out walking through the house, while we're walking through the other levels of the house. So I hit record on the laptop, it was working, and the laptop turned off after 18 minutes with no explanation. I don't have an auto-off feature, and if I did, 18 minutes is not the time frame for that. So I still have yet to go through the EVPs. I'm going to do that after I record this part of the episode. Basically, I'm, what I'm going to do is, I'm just to give you guys an idea of what this episode is going to be like, I'm going to tell you my experiences, I'm going to intersplice it with some of David's stories while we were chatting, Then I'm going to do the interview. Then I'm going to listen to the stuff that I have recorded to see if I can hear any EVPs and add that to the end of the interview. I'm not saying there's going to be EVPs, but if there are, that's where it's going to be. So back to the tour with David. So David starts the tour. We go down this spiral stairwell and we went down to what he calls the doors hallway. And David has, like I said earlier, his incredible art collection, a John Lennon piece that just blew my mind. That is my dream to own. And he stopped. He stopped because he was experiencing something in the hallway. He, you know, he was acting like he had a headache or there was like, you know, oh God, this is, this is pretty intense. And I'll play the video for you in just a minute, or I'll play the audio for you in just a minute. But I was seriously skeptical about that until I walked about six feet down the hallway to the right. No joke. I can't explain it. The arms, the arms, the hair on my arms stood straight up, like Spidey sense straight up. And the only way I could describe it was that I felt electrified. 
So I'm going to play a little clip from that now. Take a listen. You're going to hear me have my mind blown because I cannot explain what was happening to me. And it was only one direction of the hallway. The other was way less. But when I went to the right, I felt electric. It's the only way I can describe it. Take a listen to this. Take a step up here. It's a little bit charged. Oh, yeah. Take a walk down the You're end. You're not kidding, Take a man. walk down the end and feel if it gets more intense towards the doorway. And try not to look, look at so much the optics of it, because, yes, it does. It's not... It's not that. That illusion really is getting narrower a little bit towards that side. But that's not, that's it. not it. That's not it. It's, yeah. You can close your eyes and walk down it and not have the peripheral vision. You, you, you can feel You'll it. You'll still feel the energy in this guy's drum right here. There's no fucking explanation. Dude, I was going to say, man, I can feel it. And my hair and my arms are standing up. Just from walking, what, six feet? Doesn't matter. It's just, it's, it's, it's right now. It's charged. It's just like, good I can feel Lord. my head starting to spin. I'm getting a goddamn dizzy headache from standing here right now. And no, this isn't constant. This is, it goes from neutral, from nothing to intense beyond repair. And it, there's no explanation for time, anything. It's just, it's, it's, and it's literally when you take a step down, you'll, you'll notice the difference. It starts. <laughs> You're not. And take a walk down this way, the other side, because it's intense. On that, it's different energies. What on the hell? Yeah, it's 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 wow. Thanks, spirits. I appreciate it, my guide. You're hot today. Okay, next up was that teddy bear room that I was talking about earlier. Like I said, David let me try and debunk it any way I wanted. We both stomped. I checked the shelf. It was sturdy. He let me knock on the wall, do anything I wanted, including opening the door. And it was a door to the outside. So take a listen to this. This is from the teddy bear to going outside. That's yeah, and that's where it was. Teddy, that's Teddy. That's the teddy bear. That's obviously touching etc. Yeah, don't, no, he's you know, just a fucking teddy bear. Now me, ma- we, we, me walking uh, doesn't do crap. And he was over here, which would be even yeah. Stamp, stamp. Yeah, that's stomp. what I'm saying. No, like, stomp. like you, you notice where you're standing on? This is that steel eye beam I showed. Oh, no about. kidding. Because you can feel it. Yeah. Right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You go here. It's hollow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And right here. Dude, so there's no right way. Here. It's right right under my foot right here is the steel eye beam. As a matter of fact, that is where it is because I remember we put it in. It's right next to that post. So that goes right across here. So this is where, where this, this, this Ferris cage effect comes in. That there's a steel eye beam here. Next up, we went to the earthen room. Now, the earthen room is one of my favorite rooms in the house. The only way I can describe it is, remember, this house is built into the side of a cliff. So imagine three walls of the house with a door. You walk in, you got two walls, you got the wall with the door, but the fourth wall is the side of the mountain. It's just earth. It is, you can see a stump, you can see dirt, you can go up and touch it. It is dirt. It's really interesting. I don't know, I don't know why it's there, to be honest with you. But anyhow, so... Um, we went to the earthen room and he tried to, uh, and he let me try to debunk the wine rack video. And the wine rack video is a video that's on YouTube of these two guys. They walk into the room. One of the guys really blocking the camera and you just want to pull him away from the camera if you could. But, um, while they're doing it, this guy steps up and when he steps up, a wine bottle jumps is the best way I can describe it out of the wine rack onto the ground, about a foot away from it. Let me say, yes, there is a loose board, but when you step on this loose board, it shakes the entire rack, which I don't see in the video at all. 
Now, I will say the guy, again, is blocking the camera, so so I don't know what to make of this. I'm This one, I can't say is 100% paranormal. I can't say it's not, because I tried to recreate it. Even with me basically jumping on the loose board, the most I got was rattling the hell out of the rack, and no wine bottles jumped a foot off the rack and on the ground. In the video, he takes one step up, and the wine bottle jumps out about a foot away from the wine rack. I cannot explain this video. So it's literally built above that. So that's that's why you feel that energy is coming through that concrete, reinforced concrete. Wow. Now, but you heard, yeah, but yeah, but nothing. But they didn't. But you, but you hear it exactly, and it, shakes, it, and it moves. It shook all and, of them, which it right. didn't do in the video. And the kids are standing on that. Yeah, and on that. even if he did that, yeah, but stand there's on nothing. that. He's standing on that, and that doesn't do anything. Now here's the other thing. Here's the bottle of wine. If he comes out, it stops there. If it comes to here, it has to go all the way to, to, to half the way. Jesus. And even that, that even that, you pulled it and exactly. it didn't go as far. Right. So again, it has to be pulled out to get to a point. It was standing like that. Another YouTube video from the Earthen Room was about a cutting board that jumped on its own. It spun and it jumped on its own. And I was really interested in trying to debunk that one. So take a listen. In here just as a backup. Is this the board? Yeah, that's, yeah. Go pick it up. Holy crap. Literally pick it How up. the hell could you yeah, flip it? It was on a television set that was there. This is news since that time that that was shot. But the point is not that. It's the fact that that's the board. It weighs 10 solid pounds. And I thought this was going to be an empty it room. Was. At the time when that was taking place, this was all storage. There was a 19-inch te television set, which this sat upon, on top of it. And it was literally, this is how much this is so how much was sticking off. This wall wasn't here, or it was? Mm, let me see. The wall was there, but it wasn't developed the way it is now. So there's no way for me to, again, hide where he wouldn't notice walking in right here. I'd have to be hiding yeah. literally here, and you're right. not going to see all me. There were boxes here anyways at the time. And this the, this wasn't here, but there were just boxes, and that's why there was a television set here. This is on the TV set. As you noticed in the video, this is how much is hanging yeah. over yeah, the yeah, TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, look how much more you've got here, and this has got no ability to do this. You can't do this. Or how the hell is do it this. Exactly. It didn't. It couldn't. It, it's impossible. So if it's sitting like this, there's your there's your angle. So where this was... And he was alone. He was alone. He walked in. This, and he does this. And it spins off. And it was spun this way and down right to there. There's literally no way that he could cause that, that moving would cause that. And he oh was my God! The there were other people in there. And later on, they came in and said, "Oh my God! Well, thank God they got a camera." They goes, "Oh, they do have a camera there. You're right." So he sings, "Let's watch the camera." It's like, dude, I can't explain any of this. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's, it's it is wacky, wacky shit. I am pulled to the earthen room, and I don't know why. There's just something about this room that, if I had gotten the chance, I would have sat alone in there and done an EVP session in a heartbeat. It's it's very cave like. It's very quiet in there, and something about it screams that I need to go back and do a full-blown investigation there. I don't believe that a Native American and his horse was buried into the side of the mountain like uh, like Zach Baggins from Ghost Adventures say. I don't believe that at all. But there is something spiritual about it, and I can't quite explain it. Maybe because I'm in a house, and one of the walls is earth. And that's just weird. Maybe it's just that. I don't know. I can't explain it. Okay, from here, let me skip ahead to the interview section. My time was running out with David, like I said, so I wanted to ask him a few questions. 
There were a ton more I could ask him, and probably will. He said I was welcome to come back anytime, and I'm taking him up on that. Besides the fact that I'm taking him up on going on October 13th. So if you guys want to go and investigate with me, well, on October 13th, I'll be at the Omen House. It's going to be, I'm going to make sure it's going to be a blast because I can't wait for this. But anyhow, so here's the interview I did with David. Only a few questions I could get in, but there we go. Like a five-hour battery that has never drained ever yet. Welcome to this house. Jesus. First of all, thank you for for showing me the house and for inviting me over. This is, I cannot thank you enough, man. I really can. It's my pleasure, please. I have no problem with that. I like sharing my experiences in the house with people. And I don't charge, when I charge you to come to see the house, it's like, no, when we have the team and the investigators and Louie, the psychic here, and then the food and everything and all the shit that's going on. And and, and that's that's a spread. But still, I said, this thing pulls out to, you know, it pulls out big and like I said, this thing is food from one side to the other, so it really it makes a difference. I was like, I don't just spend anything for food. It's like, no, it's all there. It's all included. So what was your first personal experience that you had in the house? During the construction. Really? Right from the get-go? Right from the get-go. Right when we bought the lot, it was almost like, my dad calls me up. It's late November 1998, Sunday morning, 8 o'clock in the morning, calling me and saying, get up. I said, what? He goes, I found a lot. I'm like... What? Because I'm looking in the Sunday papers, like the classifieds. I found a lot. It's forty thousand dollars. I'm like forty thousand. I said, where? He goes, it's in Beverly Hills. In Beverly Hills. I said, how can a lot for forty thousand dollars be um, be possible? I said, that's ridiculous, pops. I said, I can't believe that forty thousand. He goes, well, look, meet me over here, blah blah blah, and we'll take a look. So I came up to the place on my own. He arrives 10 minutes, 20 minutes later, and I'm looking at the end of the drive going, that's where the Sharon Tate house was. I haven't been here since 78, 79, when my freshman year in high school, people were, used to come up here to see the house, and I got thrown really? in friends. Yeah, but it's again, when the gate was there, and there are pictures of, famous pictures of the gate. It was a chain, chain link fence, and on the left side, it was a wooden plank fence, and the only thing you could see was the driveway. Sure. Because the house was tucked to the right of the entrance of the house. So it's kind of like going, hmm, can't really do anything with that. It's, it doesn't really do any, make any sense. So, but everybody was smoking and drinking their beers and stuff. And I'm like going, I'm like, the only one walks up to the fence and it's like, I can't, I can't do anything. I don't feel, I feel like I'm, I'm staying on hollowed ground and we had all read Elder Skelter. So oh, yeah. it was, you know, this is like taking the, the, the narrative of the book and the story, which is all nonfiction and going right to where it all went down, ground zero. And I'm like, oh my God. And I said, I got to bow my head. It was almost compelled. I was compelled to like lower my head in honor of them and say, I'm sorry for the fact that you all died. I really, I'm sorry. I just wanted to know. I just feel badly for you all. Blah, 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 blah. I'm really sorry. And that's about where I left it. And it was like, hmm, I could just feel like I wasn't, I was accepted. In some way, I just felt different. Because any of us was just cracking open beers and drinking and smoking and hanging out and talking. And I'm like, Okay, fine, but you guys show some respect for the dead. I was just going to say, they disrespected it where you didn't. Yeah, and that's kind of like how it felt to me. So I basically left it at that. Um, 
we went about our business. I finally got tried to find it a couple times on my own. I never could find my way here. Ah. And I was like, there's only two private driveways or three private driveways. All it would have taken was for me to drive up, go to the end and say, like, ah, there it is. I, for some reason, never managed to do that. Um, and so basically that was it. So then, like I said, 20 years later or 19 years later and in 1998, my dad calls me and I come up here and I'm like, oh my God, this is where I'm at. And I looked at it and he says, this is the lot. And it was literally, as you saw in the pictures, it was just overgrown. But I noticed that there was some pieces of steel rebar that were sitting on top of the, on top of the earth. And I'm going, and he comes over and I said, so he's, I said, you know, that's where the tape murders take place. And my dad's response was classic, my dad's response, which was, I don't give a good goddamn about the tape murders. I'm here to look at this freaking piece of property. Ah. What do you like give a shit about saying that happened 35, 40 years ago? Who cares less? We're here to look at this piece of property. We focus? Come on, focus. I'm like going, I don't know. I said, I said, Dad, I said, am I kidding myself or do I see? I said, he goes, yeah. As a matter of fact, I was told that there's rebar that they'd started construction on this property and they got stopped by the city. And I'm like going, when? He goes, I said, looking by the the rust that's accumulated on the rebar sticking out of the ground. I said, it looks like it's been some time, Dad. And he goes, well, the bank's foreclosed on it, and that's who's selling it. It's like, wow, $40,000. I said, I said, and they got the caissons. And he says, yeah. He goes, this could be a steal because we could build on this. And I'm like, well, my dream comes come true, building a house with my father and being able to design it from the ground up and actually putting my blood, sweat, and tears into it, just like he did with my sister. And just like he did with the house that I grew up in, that he built some oh, wow. some sixty years, some fifty years ago, that I was, you know, think when I was born, I came to that, born into that house, and it was something that he had done. He was always going out with him on construction jobs and different places that he was building houses and through my lifetime. So it was like, oh, I want this is what, you know, my sister. I shouldn't be any blessed favored than my sister if he's going to build a house with her. Christ, because that's what he did with her the 25 years ago or more. And I said, you know, I said, this could actually happen. I was like, wow, it's going to happen. So we bought the lot in January of 1999 and for the next three and three and a half years, finished it in 2002 on, in August. On the 30th, I actually moved in and it was just like glad to finally be in here. And um, like I said, during construction, um, first, like I said, during when we first came, it was just like weird. I felt like it feels weird. It feels homely. It feels right. Oh, um, okay. Well, because I, I grew up in the hills, about four miles due west here in Bel Air, and I loved being in nature and having the animals and having the deer and the wildlife outside the door. It's, I mean, I lived in the city, you know, in the flats for a number of years, for 20, for 15 years, and I hated it. No kidding. I just didn't enjoy having an apartment and having people on top of me, to the left of me, to the right of me, and just that much condensed activity and no... It, the concrete jungle. Thank you, Sharon. Huh. It felt like a concrete jungle. So it's just like, you know, even though it was a sweet deal and it was it was a cheap deal because it was a hand-me-down from my sister who had rented it out in 1976 when she was in college and it just sat there for, the, for a year where she used it for storage and I said, look... I said, how much are you paying? She goes, I'm paying $750 a month for a two-bedroom ah, apartment. Jesus. And I said, crap, it's, that's ridiculous. Everything else is $1,500 for a one-bedroom. So I took over her lease, and I had a roommate, and it was like, I said, even though I'm paying next to nothing, I hate it. 
I don't like the fact that I'm just in, there's just no sense of nature. I didn't really care. So coming up here was like a respite and a escape to the, to the environment that I was, grew up in, I was familiar with. And I loved the deer, the hawks and whatnot, the out and the crows. And so that's what it was like, like looking forward to it. So, so I don't think that the possibility of moving into a haunted house would have in any way affected my, my appreciation for the area and the environment and the location and the setting to the point where I would have been a ghost. Freak out. Like, oh, screw that. I said, look, from where I've been living, ghosts don't bother me. The living do. So I'm not really concerned about somebody that's dead that was once alive that's hanging out in my house because, you know, if you treat them with respect, the theory I hold is, is they'll have to treat you with respect. It's mutual. That's what I hold as well. And I, like I was telling you earlier about my ghost, that's exactly how I treat them. Like, who am I to say, what the hell are you doing here? It's not my not my place. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> I said respect. No, no. I didn't say ass kiss. Oh, no, and no. I don't mean like that. I mean, like, because I've gotten, I've gotten, I've yelled at them. And I've gotten very, 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 very upset on one very special occasion when... I remember, ooh, it's got to be 10 years ago now, Jesus Christ. Um, I got a, once I got an electric bill, and the electric bill was $800, oh. I think. And my usual electric bill at the time was about $200 for two months. This is $800 for two months. And I flipped out. And I opened up the letter here about looking at, uh, standing in front of the uh, dining room table. I open up the, the bill, and I'm going... A thousand dollars? What the flying the fuck is going to... Uh, $800 for electric usage? What the son of that? It's like, I haven't been using the electricity in the house <laughs> for the past two months in excess. I haven't done anything out of the ordinary in the past two months for the electricity. However, I had, I had noted that in one occasion where my... Now the, I guess the cordless telephone base sits here. At the time, the cordless telephone base sat over there near the bar. And during one day during that month, the two months, I was, I remember distinctly being in the kitchen and I was, um, working on making some, some lunch and I heard a pop. And it was coming from over this area. I didn't know what it was. It was like, bang. And I'm like, what the fuck? I heard that. I, was, I think it was paranormal. I was like, what the hell was that? Two and a half, three hours later, I get a call from my friend on my cell phone saying, hey, what's the matter? I said, I can't. I said, why are you calling the cell phone? He goes, your telephone's not answering. And I'm like, what? He goes, I can barely. He goes, he goes get to a you know, fine cell reception where you can stand and you can talk to me. He goes, he goes, your telephone's not working. I said, what do you mean? He goes, I've called you three times in the past hour and no way. It's just rings, ring. I said, what? So I go to the base and I look and the, it has a GFI, which is the ground... Um, so GFI is, it has a resistor in it for the plug. So near, you put these resistor plugs near any water, an outlet near water must have by code a resistor that can automatically shut off if okay. water gets into it. Makes sense. Well, I haven't been in that part in that bar the whole day and I hadn't used the sink. So when I went to the phone and picked up the phone, it was dead. I looked at the GFI resistor on the wall, the, the socket, and it had been tripped off. And I said, wait a second. Three hours earlier when I heard that pop. And I, and the resistors are quiet. They don't make a sound. No, they, yeah. turn, they, they just, they just, there's a light on them. The little LED light goes green when it's not on, you know, to turn it back on. This wasn't the case. It was blown. I had to replace the actual GFI, the actual wall Whoa. plug. 
because it was blown. And I'm like, going, what? And then I looked, I said, I said, you sons of bitches. I said, you blew the goddamn GFI. I said, I haven't been in there all day. I haven't used the faucet. I don't use that faucet. I always use the faucet in the sink in the kitchen because I don't need to dirty up a tiny little bar faucet in the bar sink. So it was like, what the fuck? And then I remembered that there was another time when another electrical outlet had an issue. And I thought to myself, oh my God. I said, the ghost of the bastard's been soaking up the goddamn electricity and fucking with it. And I went down the hall, downstairs, down the second floor hallway to the end of the laundry room to the cylinder block wall area. And I basically went ballistic. And I screamed, and I famously screamed this, you know, I said, excuse me, to all those who are here but are not in the physical form, I'm holding in my right hand an electric bill. It is four times the amount of my usual electric bill over the past two months. Now, nothing has changed in the usage. I didn't get any pieces of equipment. I don't have any special equipment that's draining electricity. I haven't had any photo shoots here using the electricity. I said, so... I am knowing exactly who it is I'm calling out. I said, I am furious. I said, I know that you guys don't have pants. And I know, I said, yeah, I know you guys don't have wallets. I said, I know this because you don't have pants. And you don't, because you don't have pants, you don't have a place to put your wallet. And because you don't have wallets, this is coming out of my hide and out of my fucking wallet. And you're going to bankrupt me. I said, I'm the goddamn best thing that's ever happened to you guys. And I'm the only one that lets you. Something just, there's a shadow that just went right by that door. That's impossible. No. Yes, it is. There's nothing in there. That's a bathroom. There's no one in there. Dude, because you know I can see a little yeah, bit of that course, light. I can see the light. Yeah. Right. All of a sudden, that light went away. Someone walked right by. That's it. impossible. Wow. Yeah, they're here. They're letting you know they're here. Of course. Yeah. Because you know, they love the story. As you say, you're they telling love them. this fucking story. <laughs> so I said, I said, you goddamn sons of bitches. I said, I started getting amped up. I said, I can't afford this. You're going to send me to the fucking poorhouse, and I am the best thing that's ever happened to you. He said, Natalie, do you owe me a debt of gratitude? My father, mother, I said, mother who's passed away at the time, I said, I said, you, you owe us a debt of gratitude. I said, before you had nothing but a fucking vacant lot. And at the time there wasn't a house. I said, and I pointed in this direction. I said, right to the right south and right next door, there's a piece of real estate that looked just like this did before. We spent three and three quarter years building this house. I said, so you sons of bitches are really an ungrateful lot. I said, I'm fuming fucking pissed off. I can't stand you, blah, blah, blah. I said, you know something? I said, I am going to go out there and find the world's greatest exorcist and paranormal experts and have you exercise and removed from this house if you don't gosh darn cease and desist this behavior because I can't afford this. I said, meantime, I'm going to have to make a payment schedule to the freaking DWG. Oh, Jesus. I said, this is going to break my ass. I said, you really know how to suck it to me. I said, I know you're all, I heard laughter in the room. I said, I know you're all laughing. Ha, ha, ha. I said, but mark my words, I will get that world's greatest psychic and, and exorcist and have you run the fuck out of here so goddamn fast it'll make your head spin off into puffs of smoke. I'm just that pissed off. And ever since then, not a goddamn fucking time since. No way. And I swear to God, I kid you not, it was like when, I mean, people going, and you yelled, and it's like, and people like, like say, you've got audacity. I said, the fuck I do. I said, I respect them and they respect me. And said, they can't respect me. Fuck them. I said, I'm pissed off. And I said, this is something that I can't deal with because I can deal with the spirit. I don't give a shit. There's a ghost manifest in front of me. What do you fucking do? What are you going to do to me? Are you going to walk through me? Oh, wow. What are you going to do? Because <laughs> it's the truth. I don't, 
I am the Larry David of the paranormal. So, I love that. Because it's the truth. I don't play this ghost. And I said, you can go scream and yell all you fucking want. But if ghosts are real, where are you going to run? This isn't like Superman and he can hide in a lead box or these are x-rays and they can't penetrate lead and you're going to put yourself in a lead box. A ghost? <laughs> he can go wherever he fucking wants. And they don't wear balls and chains to walk around and go, ooh, exactly. ooh. I said, you really think they spent 10,000 light years to cross from one plane of existence to this one to sit there and to go, boo? You really think that's what a ghost wants to do? I said, let me set your ass straight. Ghosts have no more interest in hurting you than the gosh darn wind or, or lightning wants to hurt you. I said, if a tornado happens, it's indiscriminately running you over. I said, a ghost is like energy, which is like a tornado yeah. or lightning. It's indiscriminate. It's not picking and choosing you. I said, furthermore, I got better stories for you. I said, I know, I know of five people that, whose untimely demise were met at the end of the street. I know of the of four of those murderers that are sitting and rotting in jail and Manson who were in there for 40 some odd years. And 30, 23 hours a day, they're pretty much in that jail room, in their cell. Yeah. You're going to tell me that a ghost wouldn't take it out on those people that put them in the grave and killed them with such horrendous malice and la less than contemptuous thoughts for their life that these people don't have an axe and a half to grind with the people that put them in the grave that they'd have the perfect, most beautiful opportunity to wreak havoc upon them while they're sitting in their goddamn jail cell and they have nowhere to run. They can't hide. They're right there for them to be molested and tormented for the rest of their living days. I don't recall Susan Atkins, Patricia Krenwinkel, Leslie Van Houten, um, uh, Linda Sabian or Charles Manson or Tex Watson ever complaining of the spirits of the victims beating them belligerently, torturing them, harassing them, or in any way, what shape or form, affecting their lives. Oh, yeah. So for you to say to me that there's a ghost haunting me, I'm like, really? You've got an ego the size of fucking Texas. Seriously. Because, really? There's a ghost that's trying to hurt you? Oh, wow. You really are special. I'm talking about scratched by spirits. Really? You didn't do this, honey? And scratch yourself and go, oh, look. I just debunked that on a couple episodes ago. Yep. I said, everybody take your arm, scratch it, wait a couple of seconds, now film it. Right. Look at that. It's it coming right up. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, now, now you mentioned, you mentioned Manson. Did, did any of the activity no. increase change at all when he died? Nothing, huh? I hate to, I hate to answer that. No, 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 no. You said it. Nope. But I like it's it. like, I've heard it so many times. I guarantee it. Yeah. It's like, well, the house is, I said, what, you think Charlie Manson's going to be coming back here? No. I said, he only came here a couple times after, once after the murders, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Um, and that was, and he actually, the, the, another myth, myth of the Sharon Tate murders is he knew Sharon was living there. He yeah. came to the house in March of 69 when she had just moved in and she was doing a photo shoot with a famous Iranian photographer. And Manson came running, looking for uh, Terry Melcher to talk to him to try to get set back up with the Beach Boys and Brian Wilson. Yep. And he, Brian, had, I mean, um, Terry had moved out in February with Candace Bergen. And Candace had told Sharon that they're moving out and that they can rent the house now. And Sharon had always expressed the desire to live here because to her, this was her dream house with the, the, the wonderful little wishing well in the front of the house in the backyard and the view. She loved it. Huh. And a swimming pool, she said. She loved that. So Manson actually came back, went knocking on the door in mid-March. He couldn't get any answer from the front door, so he went around the backyard and towards the back gate, and that's when the Iranian photographer accosted Manson at the gate, and they started arguing about it. 
And Sharon came around and started, told Manson point blank that Sharon and Roman were living there and that Terry and Candace had moved out a month earlier. So he, in fact, did know that Sharon was there. Yeah. And it wasn't like, you know, missing, you know, misidentification of the premises. No, he knew who was there. Huh. And he wanted her dead just because he wanted, as I believed it was. It was revenge, and I call it the spurned lover theory. He was was bandied around by Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys in Hollywood to all the different rock groups. Yeah. Everybody knew them. Um, Greg Allman knew him. Um, I do believe that uh, Stephen Steele's met him and yeah. Graham Nash met him and that they all thought that he was a crazy cat, an interesting character and might have something in some of his lyrics. And what happened was that by dumb, dumb luck, Brian Wilson was the producer of the, of the album Pet Sounds, yep. which took off and was a huge, huge success and basically reinvigorated his career to the masses in the media, I mean, in the music industry, and everybody that was a artist wanted him just like 10 years earlier, five years earlier, everybody wanted, what's his face, for the Wall of Sounds, Phil Spector. Oh, Phil Spector, yeah. So once Phil Spector came out with one album, with one group, everybody said, I love that sound, I want that. Well, everybody decided that the, uh, the, the flavor of the day, so to speak, became... Brian Wilson, because of what he produced on Pet Sounds, sure. it was such a groundbreaking album at the time that everybody wanted him to be producing their albums. Sure. And unfortunately, Brian had promised Manson or told Manson that he had some interesting lyrics that Brian was thinking of developing into and using in some songs and creating some songs around them. Hmm. And when Brian Wilson got busy, Manson started coming on harder and harder to Brian Wilson about. Let's get this project done. Let's get this project done. And harassing and haranguing Brian Wilson to the point where Brian said, you know, man, you're appearing at my rec at the recording studio unannounced. You're bugging the crap out of me at the home. You just won't leave me alone. I've, I'm done with you. Whatever I promised you, it's done. It's over. It's history. We're finished. We're through. Which sent Manson into a wild tailspin, at which point he started reaching out to um, Terry Melcher. And, of course, Terry was no longer there. And Brian basically cut, you know, man Charlie off. Yeah. And that basically pissed Manson off, threw him into a tailspin, and he mentally went down the rabbit hole because he saw his ultimate dream and goal of becoming a professional musician, singer, songwriter, and it had been taken away from him. Yeah. And it was only because of his own inability to um, hold his shit and deal with the, you know, the time of the fact that Brian's going to have time, but just not now. And if he would have been able to hold tight and wait for Brian to ride the crest of the success of Pet Sounds and doing people's albums, he would have been able to succeed and possibly, you know, become the singer-songwriter he wished to be and not the murderous sure. jailbird that he turned into. You you, you are, are cool, in my opinion, cool enough to allow people to come and investigate this house. Yeah, I do... I, I, Ever since the the um, the episode of Ghost Adventures aired four years ago, I've done I've run publicly open tours of the house investigations, uh, anywhere from they're about seven hours long, from eight in the evening, about two in the morning, six to seven hours. I was just gonna say, and they're not like a ten minute thing. You let people go through. Now, do you escort them, or do they have? No, we get like, we give them a tour of the house to start things off. There are people that are here that are that are. Um, Experienced paranormal investigators that have been here before that have decided to help that want to join in on the tours and stuff and guide people through. 
um, given the walk through the house, the history of the area, the history of the house, the photographs, the video, you go through the house and then they can basically, after that, it's, it's, we have a seance down at the third level at a certain time of the night. Anyone can participate. And then, like I said, we let them walk through and investigate. And if they have any questions, we have different um, investigators that are here through the house that can basically give them advice and explain to them what's going on, what they're feeling, you know. And what's wonderful is the whole house is canvassed with the cameras. Oh, yeah. It's like you got the three cameras in that room. We have three cameras in the den. We have a cameras in the hallway, in the earthen wall room. There are two cameras in the guest bedroom. There's two cameras in the theater room. There's two cameras in the stairwell. There's a camera. So they're picking up audio files. They're picking up the audio recordings and the video and an infrared. And, and the stuff that I see on – or that I saw on your YouTube, it looks like – a you know, correct me if I'm wrong. It looks like the yeah. majority of it was found during these investigations. So this house is active – all the time. Oh yeah, it's it's twenty four seven, three hundred and sixty five days a year. It is never um, spirits, as I just heard. We don't take a holiday. <laughs> what are you kidding me? We first of all don't have calendars, so how the hell do we know it's a freaking holiday? There is no holiday where we are coming from. They said it's that's it's, and there's no such thing as a time. Is it three o'clock in the morning? The witching hour. It's like no, ghosts don't wear watches. <laughs> They don't have wristwatches. They don't have pocket watches. They don't really give a crap. Day, night, night, or day. Um, just curious if the REM pod's still... All right, you are on. Oh, but you're not up tall. All right, stop that. Just just shut up. Thank you. That's amazing. All right. It's a great de device. Let's go with that. Now, the earthen room... There's two spots when we were walking around the house. There was the hallway... That, that, no joke, pair of my arms stood up. I could feel, I felt electric. And then the earthen room. What made you choose to leave the earthen room earthen? Oh, that's, again, first of all, I want to explain something to, to debunk the myth that I bought this property, build this house because I wanted to be close to Sharon Tate. Nothing could be further from the truth. That's it was a financial bonus that my father found a lot. It was a Kurt here. The knocking that you just heard was the camera crew for the next gig that was coming in, so my time was running out very quickly. Sorry about that. No, no, no worries at all. That's, that's from, that's from the whatchamacallit. So that's, obviously, that's from uh, the August. Event. Yeah, yeah. Take the card, and obviously the 13th of Perfect. October is what it is. That's what I was going to say. Because anything so else is going to be the Omen House, the website's still the same, etc. Excellent. So, as we were, what were we talking the, about? The Earthen Room. What made you decide to leave so the my, so, so my dad, like I said back to the story about buying the lot, he wanted to turn the third level into a goddamn apartment. And I said, Dad, I said, I spent all this time and energy designing the electricity for the wiring and the speaker wires because all that was embedded and I put all the speakers and the telephone jacks in throughout the house. And I said, this is a theater room. I'm not planning on making this into an apartment. And he goes, well, if you're not making this an apartment, then I don't see any reason to turn this, this earthen room, as it wasn't called then, this room, the storage room, into a kitchenette. And I said, what? He goes, yeah, I'm turning this into a kitchenette to support this floor as a separate part of the house. I said, the hell are you talking about? I said, we're not doing that. He goes, well, if we're not, if you're not going to agree to that, then I'm not putting in the kitchenette and you're going to have to deal with that in your own time. It's like, oh, screw that, dad. I said, I'm not going to turn this into well, no kitchenette. So literally it's, it made the state as, a um, whatchamacallit, the earthen room, as the as the storage room until about four years ago. Just lit up blue. Blue means that the, the ambient temperature is getting colder. 
Kurt here again. There's a thermopod that's between us. It it goes off. It registers like an EMF detector, and it started to actually go off and light up different colors. That's what you're hearing. And if it goes red, that means it's the ambient temperature is getting getting warmer. If it's doing nothing, it means it's we're having no change in temperature. Huh. And that's literally around that antenna as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is strange because it shouldn't be changing. It's uh-uh. not. I don't feel any wind or anything. No. So. Basically, four years ago, after living here for was it for twelve years, I came into some money. My dad's estate finally cleared out, and I said, "Fine, now I'm going to make this a new guy's friend kitchenette." <laughs> and I hired my contract labor, and he went there, and he figured he says, "You're not going to close this." I said, "Not now. I'm not going to close the earth area." I said, "Leave it alone." We actually dug in three feet, you know, where the walls. Kurt here, I have no idea what caused that. That's a first for me. Where it cuts like this, that's because when Zach Baggins came, the earth came right to that plank. And I said, what I want to do is I want to make it wider so we excavated out that section of earth. And that's why the earth and water room remains as the earth and water room on that side because there have been so many people's experiences in there, even with the kitchenette. It's it's still very, very active part of the house. And I don't see any point in having to bother sealing it. It's not like I have an infestation of ants or insects coming in through the dirt. It's quite honestly... It's become a point of humor. And the water doesn't get in or anything. That's amazing. That room, like I said, I don't know why. It's got a great feel. It does. It really does. It's something about it. Um, Well, I'm I'm definitely going to tell everybody about uh, the the, uh, The event event on the 13th. 13th Because they will... People said, there's too many people said, spirits don't work on the theory that you come up with. I said, spirits like the attention. Sure. Because... Being the fact that I live here by myself and there's so little interaction outside of me, they know me like the back of their hand. And it gets a little dull and boring. So they're always looking for some part of the expression, new blood to come in. <laughs> because what it is is that because the house has got such elevated DC EMF levels, as I have seen, when people come in, the spirits around each and every one of us hit this environment. They're like, oh my God, I don't. I can I can walk I can I can push objects I can move things I can speak I can be heard and they love it. So when people come in, it's like we've done seances and done EVP sessions during the seances, and they have the recorders on the table during one famous seance. And I said, "Stop the recorders!" And the two psychics who are friends of mine said, "No, we're not stopping." I said, "Stop the freaking seance!" I heard a man's voice. They pick up the first of the three digital recorders on the uh, table. And the first thing they hear 10 seconds in is, is, let it go, mija. And I said, play the second ah. recorder. Same point on, on the recording and the same voice comes up. Third recorder, same thing. The closed circuit television camera recorded it. The guy with the video camera who's videoing it for himself heard it. The girl at the end of the table is burst into tears and she goes, that's my dad. Whoa. And she goes, I haven't been able to get over his death in the past four years since he died. Oh, wow. So it's not... So the spirit speaking was directly connected to her, telling her, as her father, the spirit saying to him, let it go, Miha, go on with your life. It's okay. So it's not just the same spirits. It has very little to do with Sharon Tate. People I believe see Sharon Tate said, unless you knew Sharon or your relative knew Sharon or there's a connection between you and Sharon Tate, somebody that you don't know is most likely not going to work, work, work the energy levels to make your day. Yeah. They're not here because you're their biggest fan. Who's a flying. Exactly. They're a spirit. They have better things to do than to piss around with you who didn't know them. But your relative, your best friend, your childhood friend who died, 
whoever is there in spirit form that's around you, they can manifest, and it makes much more sense that a, this, a direct connection between point A and point B is always a straight line. Yeah. Not a convoluted, twisty, turdy one that eventually comes out. How did that? Oh, because your, your second cousin once removed was friends with Sharon Tate's best friend 60 years ago. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, last question. Yeah. Uh, if you want to answer yeah, it. No. Um, have you ever had any problems with the people that you've invited to the house? Any Manson followers? Any people oh, that I've are had on Manson the negatives? Manson followers here all the time. And, but no, I had, no I, had, I had some Mansonites, as I call them, some fans and devotees of Charlie, um, come here about five, six years ago. They rented the house out for an event for a birthday party. And it was crazy because all of their linens were black. The balloons were black. All the plastic utensils were black. All the placemats were black. All the plates were black. Uh, all the candles they were burning were black. They played Manson's movie, the documentary from 1970, called Manson, um, where this embedded uh, documentarian lived with them for six months, and he recorded them and taped and videoed them and or filmed them, and it's unreal, and they're playing Manson wow. songs. And I'm sitting there saying, Sharon, I apologize. I didn't know this. I just, I'm so sorry. Nothing happened. Really? Okay. Not That's a thing. I did have somebody that was here that it was the driver for, I think it was My Ghost Story or Haunted History, and his acting coach was Steve Railsback, who played Charlie Manson yeah. in the original 1976 bio, TV biopic, uh, Helter Skelter. Yeah. When he came in the house, we walked down to the third level. We were ten, about eight feet off the landing at the bottom, and all of a sudden the energy was just became really oppressive around us, and we couldn't breathe. We went down, it was even worse. And I, he says, I'm going to bring Steve here. And I kept hearing, no, you don't. Oh, wow. Because he was the living embodiment of Manson because he was such a tremendous method actor. He looked like Manson and he acted like Manson. And the spirit would be like, no. And he called me several times to come back here. And the spirit's like, uh-uh, uh-uh. Wow. No way. That's an insult we will not afford you. And I was like, okay, that's <laughs> all right. Wow. I, I'm not saying nothing. I appreciate you saying nothing and I won't. You know, walk on your grave with, with, with sticks. So that's what happened. That's amazing. So where, where can people find you? They can find me at, um, let's see, you can go to Facebook. And by the way, did you notice it just went red? I did. That meant the ambient temperature just got warmer, which is the exact opposite of what we just felt. I just, yeah. Yeah, I just noticed that. So I was going to say, they can go to Facebook under The Omen House, or I Survived The Omen House. Um, also, house at the end of the drive dot com is the feature film I made about my experiences here at the house, which which I'm looking to get it out in 2019. You know, I saw it when you when you played it at uh, you LA Comic Con. Oh, you saw it. I was there. I loved it. It's it's a fun movie. It really um, is. They can follow me on Twitter on the underscore omen one on Instagram the omen house. That's O M A N. Um, and also theomenhouse.com to buy tickets for the 13th of October's seven-hour ghost hunt here. I can't wait. I really can't. And again, well, thank well, you. You'll be back here before then, I have a feeling. Don't worry. I would girl. love it. Because you, the spirits obviously enjoyed your presence. Your company is like, I have him come back for a party when we're having people over, you know, to hang out. He'll get a kick out of it. And, you know, you'll see the difference in the energy in the house, how there's nothing. We're just here. It's even more amped up when there are more people here. And this is like... Okay, we got company. Yeah! <laughs> Thank so. you again. And there you go. That is David Omen.
And that's really him to a T also. Like I said, he's a little odd, but in the best way possible. And who isn't a little odd? This guy lives with spirits. There's spirits in his house. There's paranormal activity in his house. And there's enough proof to say, yeah, there's something going on in this house. Even my most skeptical friends, I think, would have to say, something's going on in this house just based on the videos alone. Whether they think it's ghosts or not, that's on them. I personally believe there are spirits there, and like I said, David has to live with them. He's made the best of the situation, I'll give him that. I personally think that the house seems to me, and just me alone, seems to be genuinely haunted. Now, I don't know about who's haunting it or why, but we have brutal murders hundreds of feet from the house. There were Native Americans in the area, so that makes sense too. I don't know who's actually doing it. I don't know if I 100% believe that it's the five people that were brutally murdered by the Manson family there, but somebody's there. Something's moving stuff. Something's talking. And, And this leads me to my only debunk for the night that I could find anyway. It might be a debunk. I'm not saying it's 100% debunk, but a ton of stuff online and from the ghost hunting shows on TV states that Benedict Canyon is a limestone and quartz area. And as you know, limestone and quartz does seem to amplify paranormal activity. Almost like a almost like a digital recorder. And that makes sense to me. The logic behind that makes sense to me. Or the science behind that makes sense to me. But the only thing I could find doing a simple web search, I admit it's just a simple web search, but the only thing I could find states that a cross-section of the land reveals granite of volcanic origin layered between worn river rocks and ocean bottom mud. And there is no mention of quartz and no mention of limestone. So like I say, that might be, I didn't do a deep enough investigation to the makeup of the land. And to be honest with you, I don't really know how other than looking at the geological makeups that are available online, which is what I did. So I don't believe that it's built on limestone and quartz. I hope I'm proven wrong because that would explain a lot of stuff, but I personally don't believe that. I wish I did know what experiences the neighbors have or had, and I would love to talk to the owner of the new house on the site, but it seems like that's pretty doubtful. It seems like the only person that's willing to willing to discuss the paranormal in that area is David Omen. He's our only link to that area. And like you heard, David and his paranormal guests or roommates, whatever you want to call them, have come to an agreement of sorts and seem like they aren't there to do him harm. Which leads me to this question. Would I live there? Yeah, it's a gorgeous mansion in the hills of Beverly Hills. It's peaceful. It's got beautiful views of downtown LA. Yeah, if I was given the house, I would gladly take it and make that house my own, but maybe I would sage it and have it blessed first. I would say, yeah, I would do both of those things, but would I live there? Sure. Would you guys live there? Could you live in a house that is feet away from where five brutal famous murders happened? Could you live in a house that has paranormal activity going on constantly? Well, once again, I'm your host, Kurt Sandvig, and this has been another edition of Paranormal Almanac. Kurt here. I bet you're expecting the music to kick in, but before that happens, I did find a couple of maybe possible EVPs I want you to listen to. Tell me what you think. I'm not saying they are, but I'm not saying they aren't. So this first one is right before we're about to go on the tour. We're stepping outside to look on the patio because, or on the balcony because there was a storm approaching. It was going to come later that night, or supposedly. We only got a little bit of rain. 
But the skies were definitely getting dark. So you hear David say the skies are getting dark. Then you hear somebody talk just after him that's not me. Fucking skies are getting dark and the thick, thick, thick clouds. Jesus Christ. Fucking skies are getting dark and the thick, thick, thick clouds. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Man, you, can't, you cannot get tired of this view, I tell you. Well, what'd you think? Who said Jesus Christ? Because it wasn't me. I was still looking out, and then I spoke because, you know, he was coughing and waited for him to cough and said, well, you can't get tired of this view. I didn't say Jesus Christ or whisper it or do anything like that, and I didn't hear it until I played it back. What'd you guys think? EVP or no? All right, and with that, let's really do the ending here. Once again, I'm your host, Kurt Sandvig, and this has been another edition of Paranormal Almanac. Hope to see you guys there on October 13th at the Omen House. Likes. Likes.